You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode one of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to welcome back onto the podcast Tom Hiscott, the editor of the Western League Bulletin. Hello, Tom. How are you? <laughs> yeah, long time no speak. Glad to glad to be back. Um, yeah, doing all right. To be honest, yourself. Uh, it feels slightly surreal, doesn't it? I mean, it we have been away. I know we we kept going as best we could at the mm-hmm. start of lockdown. For a little while, yeah, we, yeah. When the patient was put out of its misery, and we all just sort of sat around waiting for the world to get back to normal, it does seem like an interminably long period of time. I think particularly because when football did start again, we weren't allowed to go and watch it. Which, mm. um, I mean, I was very switched off of watching any uh, professional football. Did you catch any? Did you catch any games on the television? Uh, I've watched every now and then. Um, yeah, well, it was on at sort of different times, wasn't it? So it's kind of took a bit of getting used to. But yeah, tr- tried to fill my time as best as possible. Quite a bit of football, yeah. Just made me appreciate, though, how important fans are in the ground. Oh, 100%. 100%. And um, the idea of playing Western League football without any fans in the ground, I know that wasn't something that we wanted to do anyway. But um, certainly when the pre-season friendly started and it became apparent we weren't going to be able to go and watch them, that was, you know, that was pretty hard mm. to uh, to take, really. Um, so it is great that we're back. Uh, I've been able to catch a couple of games already. Um, so that's that's great news. But, um, well, we've got plenty of football to talk about on this week's edition of the podcast, haven't we? We kick off with a bit of FA Cup um, action. We've got the FA Vars, of course, and I've got an interview with Dan Langdon, the manager of Bitten, talking about their epic semi-final away at concert. We've also got um, normal league action um, to review, including a very strong start to their first division campaign by Lebec. And we speak to Aaron Wilson, the manager uh, of Lebec, about that very good uh, win away at Cheddar. Uh, on Saturday, and uh, we conclude um, this week's edition of the podcast with a special interview. You've got three interviews, listeners, uh, on this week's edition. Um, we we speak to Mike Parrish, media officer at um, Plymouth Parkway, and of course the producer of the excellent Round Our Way documentary. And um, for many of us, that would have kept us going during lockdown and with our football fix. So I, I thought it was it was a really good idea to get Mike on talking a little bit about that documentary and the effort that was put into making it a really exceptional piece of, uh, of media um, for us to enjoy across the Toolstation Western League. You certainly don't need to be a Parkway fan to enjoy that. Anyway, um, without any further ado, Tom, we'll move on to uh, the opening action from the Toolstation Western League. Well, it wasn't actually from the Toolstation Western League. It was for our clubs. We got back playing again after the COVID hiatus on Tuesday, the 1st of September. It was the FA Cup extra preliminary round. And um, what's caught your eye there? Yeah, day everyone probably had penciled in their diaries for quite a while once the, once the fixtures were announced. And then obviously recently with the, with the announcement that the fans would be allowed in, as you say, extremely important, especially at this level. And yeah, um, a pretty pretty big night for um, quite a few of our clubs got through. Obviously, a uh, couple getting getting knocked out, but that's the way it goes. But the the standout performance, I think, uh, single performance probably goes to caution keeper Sam Thompson. Uh, he played uh, yeah starring role in their their victory over Farnham. They drew two all uh, after 90 minutes, uh, but then during the uh, the penalty shootout, he saved three spot kicks, uh, which wow. I thought was. Was uh, was pretty memorable, um, and yeah, just to sort of you sort of asked if I'd watched 
watch much football when it sort of came back to the Premier League and what have you. And obviously there was big fanfare when the Bundesliga uh, was the first one back in, I don't know, May, June time. And quite a lot of the goalkeepers sort of struggled quite early on, it, it felt like. And that seemed to be sort of a, a theme which developed. Um, but for, for, for Sam, obviously last last Tuesday night, his first well, proper outing in a while. And yeah, quite a... Quite, a, quite an excellent start for him and obviously good to, good to get caution through to the next round. Absolutely. And of course, he earned many rave reviews for his performances for Carn Town last season. So it's very um, good, particularly if you're a caution fan, of course, mm. um, to see him picking up exactly where he left off um, last season. So congratulations, Sam. Um, we'll move into uh, Saturday, the, the 5th of September. And before we get into the Premier Division action, of course, there was only one real show in town. We were all um, glued, I'm sure, to uh, to social media to see whether the incredible journey that Bitten have been on in this FA Vars competition could continue. For many people, I'm sure, in, in, including many Bitten fans, they would have wondered whether this game would ever have been played. And indeed, when it was announced, it came round very quickly. Um, for uh, for Bitten, but um, uh, they made the journey up to concert. It was going to be, uh, well, it was an incredible journey, both on and off the pitch, of course, Tom, but sadly, um, Bitten have um, have fallen just short. Mm, yeah, indeed. As you say, long, long journey uh, up there. Um, finally playing, um, yeah, a match which obviously has been a long time in the uh, in the, in the making, so to speak, and obviously falling, as you say, just short of a Wembley trip, which is really, really upsetting, obviously for them and, and for everyone that uh, associated with the club. But yeah, concert eventually after 114 minutes of a stalemate, uh, they managed to break through. Um, Calvin Smith, I think their their goal scorer was, um, and obviously bitten too little time uh, to respond. So it was concert that that grabbed the one 0 win, and yeah, they're off to off to Wembley. So uh, yeah, congratulations to them. But re- yeah, commiserations to Bitten who. Yeah, we'll obviously have to turn their attention to, to the new season. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, one person who's been ever-present on last season's um, podcast talking us through their exceptional form in that FA Vars competition was Dan Langdon, the manager of Bitten. And Dan joins us um, for the first episode of this season's podcast. Um, but just to wrap up, really, his thoughts on, on that incredible on that incredible cup run. And I started by asking Dan how he feels now the dust has settled. To be honest with you, I've still got this great feeling of proudness um, to go there and, and to put up the fight we did and the display we did in terms of football. Um, you walk away and sometimes when you lose a game of football, you ask yourself questions, what could I have done? Or you single out a player that cost you the game in this scenario, it was we, we gave it our all. Um, it could have went either way. It was two good sides, two heavyweights went toe to toe, and you have to just accept it um, and walk away saying I feel proud. And you know, yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, we got the the, the proud feeling still. So talk us through that last week for you, because you've been waiting for news about this game um, for quite some time, haven't you? And when it did eventually come, were you surprised at how quickly events moved? For a long time, we felt that it was going to be um, not going to be happening the tie, and then all of a sudden, like you say, it came round so quick. But you've got to deal with these sort of things, and... I thought we were very prepared for it, although it was a short space of time in, you know, being when the game was going to be played. But prior to that, we were very well prepared, and 
you just got to deal with it, really. So how happy were you that you had an FA Cup game against Buckland four days before that mammoth trip up to concert? Well, to be honest, as a football man, um, after having so long out, um, I couldn't care if I had to play five games in seven days, to be honest. We just, we just want to be playing football again and, and doing what we love. So, yeah, no complaints here, really. Uh, what was it like um, uh, going up to concert? Did you, did, you go up, did, did you and the team go up the day before? Uh, so the team set off on Friday lunchtime. Um, myself, I went up on the evening uh, with the better half um, due to work commitments. So again, the team were well prepared. There's no excuses for the travelling. Um, the club put on a luxury coach. We stayed in a nice hotel on a Friday evening. They had uh, evening meal, team breakfast Saturday morning. So I so said we, we were well prepared and like I said no excuses really. So talk us through the game then. Obviously, no, we know the final outcome, but I mean, you pushed the game into extra time. It was clearly a very tight affair. I said it, it was two heavyweights, mate, toe to toe, and we made a real good account of ourselves. Uh, we had chances to win the game. Um, it was one of those. I think penalties would have been fair. Um, I said it was two teams that gave it their all. My players were absolutely superb. Um, and sometimes as a manager, you can question yourself or, or single the player out. We really couldn't. It was one of those that, I wouldn't say the best team on the day one, but they had the rubber of the green. Um, we had a good, well, I thought it was a clear goal by Matt Groves. Um, he had a header. He hit the crossbar and we fell it across the line. And, uh, you know, the majority of people in the, in the crowd said it did, but it didn't go our way. He said we, we put on a good display and... I'm extremely proud. I'm more disappointed, not disappointed, I'm more gutted than sad. So it's... I mean, you know, I, I can I can detect um, both pride and and disappointment in a, you know in in your voice. I mean, let let's in in terms of um, the club, in terms of Bitten as a football club, this FA Vars run to the semi final stage. Can you help us put it into some sort of context? What does it mean to Bitten as a football club? It's for having an achievement. Um, from a personal point of view, when I took the job on, this my fourth season now, if somebody said to me, you'll be in the FA Vars semi-final, uh, at any stage of your career as a manager, I would laugh at them. But for the football club as well, I think they, it's something they've always wanted, they've always dreamed of. But we are a very, very small village football club. Um, we went to concert on Saturday, which was full of support. Um, and I was asked, that's a big club. And you sort of feel in some respects, we were punched by our weights, even on the same field as them as a club. So, look, we've done ourselves immensely proud. And I think as a football club, getting to that stage has given the club the desire now and um, ambition to want to progress and, and be a big club. And we've we've got to, um, you know, we've got to save a word for your fans, haven't we? On on Saturday, social media was absolutely alive. It was it was wonderful. The content that was coming was absolutely wonderful. Had the COVID restrictions not been in place, I'm sure that many more fans would have made the journey to concert to support you. Um, but this has to be a real boost for the club's profile, isn't it? And, and hopefully, you'll see that with um, more people coming through the turnstiles. Yeah, I believe so, mate. Um... The support that did go up, I mean, what a journey they had. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they had a, a great day. 
and enjoyed a great game of football. Um, but we can't find them enough, to be honest. You know, to go all that way and uh, support a team and you know it's phenomenal. You, you can't buy that. Um, but hopefully, as you say, in, in this season um, we'll see more support um, and hopefully some more success. Well, let's turn our attention to the league campaign. That's come round rather quickly, hasn't it? Of course, um, no sooner have you, uh, you know, have you got to get over the weekend, but you've got to get the boys up for a match against Brislington. Now, Brislington, of course, are a side that can never be taken lightly, not least because they beat Bradford Town on the opening day of the of the season. So that's going to be a real test for you, isn't it? It is. Um... Like you said, I think what's important for me tomorrow night or Tuesday night in the team talk is that players can't, you know, dwell on what's happened Saturday. It's now a new campaign. We've got to dust ourselves up, pick ourselves up, and I'll be honest with you, our, our aim this season is, is promotion. And it's going to be a tough league in prison on one of those sides that could be anybody in their day. They're a great side, uh, with a good manager. Um, so it's another tough test, but to be honest, I think the leagues, the teams in this league um, are all great, so it's, every game's going to be hard. I know you've always been an ambitious manager, Dan, and it's interesting to hear that this season again, you know, you're targeting promotion for your club. But, I mean, we've gone from a position where you started training in July, uh, we've had pre-season in August, but, of course, that's started um, behind closed doors. Um, you know, fans have only been allowed back really over the last couple of weeks. I mean, did you ever think when you look back over the last month that there was a time in August, late August, when actually you, you know, you, you, could, you could have seen us waiting until October before we started the league campaign? Yeah, fully. Um, I was still in doubt this season would go ahead, um, to be honest let alone start in um, October or, or November. But, look, I'm over the moon that it started. Um, my only concern is that the season starts and stops again. So, but we'll have to deal with that if, if that is the case. But, uh, no, so we're fully prepared. We're, we're raring to go. I mean, I, perhaps I should be talking to your chairman, really, about how that uncertainty affects a club's finances. But from your position as the manager, what's it like trying to motivate and manage a set of players when you, you do have genuine concerns about whether players may be you know, testing positive for the virus, whether matches might be postponed? And indeed, many things out of your control in terms of your opponents, whether clubs in other parts of the, of the league um, may fall foul of the virus and games might get postponed and how that's eventually going to impact over the you know the fixture list D- does it give you a headache um it does but i think as a manager you've got to try and forget that scenario and you've got to keep preparing your team as if everything's fine and if you're playing next saturday you're playing the following saturday and you've got to keep these players on their toes you've got to keep them fit you've got to keep them drilled you've got to take it week by week um uh, unfortunately when it happens it happens or hopefully it doesn't but if it does happen then you, you deal with it then but in the meantime you all just keep preparing and, and planning as if, as if things are normal and my thanks to Dan for his time now moving into the Premier Division we've got well it's goals 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 isn't it it's goals galore we've got goals to talk about all over the place Tom um, we'll start at Brislington yeah, indeed. I think there were something like 70, 74 goals in the in the the thirteen matches over the the Premier and First Division. So I should say, plenty to plenty to talk about. Back with a bang, and seven of those coming out, yeah, at Brissington, uh, where they eventually 
uh, defeated Bradford 4-3 and yeah, pretty pretty topsy-turvy game. Uh, Nikel Plummer scoring the only goal of the first half uh, for the home side and then he uh, latched onto a, a defensive mistake three minutes into the second half to, to make it 2-0 to Brislington. Um, Bradford hit back though, George Box following them, uh, following them uh, a goal. Uh, yes, quite soon after Plummer's second, so getting them back into the game. Uh, and then Ross Lye levelled things from, from the penalty spot. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, Brisington uh, going back in front, as I say, topsy-turvy affair. Uh, Kai Simpson uh, rolling the ball home uh, to make it 3-2. But, yeah, Bradford uh, didn't lie down and, uh, yeah, got another penalty. Uh, Jake Brown, who'd been fouled for the first one, uh, failed in the box again. And, it, again, it was Lye who, who slotted home to make it 3 all. Uh, but, yeah, that wasn't the end of the scoring. And uh, in the closing stages, Brisington managed to, to snatch all three points. And it was Mason Dagger uh, crossing for Danny Barwood. Uh, and he headed home uh, to make it 4-3. And that was how it stayed. So a big win for, for Brisington to open their, their campaign. Yeah, big win for them. And a decent crowd of 124. Mm. We had some yeah. really good crowds, uh, unsurprisingly, yeah. um, across the Western League uh, on opening weekend. And another very big crowd at Buckland Athletic, of course, uh, a very, very strong team traditionally in the Western League. And they got off to a uh, a good start against another one of the pre-season favourites, Bridgewater Town. Yeah, big clash. And obviously, as you say, big yeah, big crowds coming out early season, which is really good to see. But as you say, not, not too much of a surprise with everyone having been starved of footy. But um, yeah, 161 down at home as Heath. And yeah, uh, uh, six goals uh, between the two sides. Uh, fortunately for the home... Home supporters, four of them going going in Buckland's favour. Uh, Jamie Passmore and Austin Booth in the first half, um, putting them two one up. Uh, Jack Taylor doing what he does best for Bridgewater. He got on the got on the score sheet. So it was two one at the at the break. Uh, it was uh, it was then level, uh, an own goal, uh, bringing Bridgewater Town um, all square to make it two all. Uh, but uh, it was yeah Buckland who pushed on in in the final quarter. Uh, ben Carter uh, scoring a pair of penalties and uh, yeah they ran out 4-2 winners definitely the most eye-catching scoreline in the Premier Division on uh, on Saturday came at Cadbury Heath and um, well they, if this game's anything to go by Tom <laughs> then they're definitely going to be worth the entrance fee this <laughs> season yeah I can't remember them scoring seven too many times last year but that's uh, that's what they've done to to open their campaign uh, really putting Wellington to the sword it was 7-3 so Wellington had their their fair share of uh, um, good fortune in front of goal as well, uh, but it was Cadbury Heath who, who ran out ran out the well heavy victors. Uh, Jake Thomas putting them ahead uh, in the 17th minute, and then it was Ben Brooks that took over uh, just after the half hour mark. Uh, he 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 got his first. Uh, Thomas then scoring his second um, before Wellington did manage to to get on get on the score sheet through Jesse Howe, uh, but then it was Brooks. He scored twice in the space of three minutes uh, in the second half. Uh, uh, to make it 5-1 and uh, complete his hat-tricks. So, uh, a really good opening day for him. Uh, further goals from Luke Bryan and Louis Ward for, for the home side. And, uh, yeah, Cabri Heath starting with a bang, a 7-3 win over, over Wellington. Absolutely. Uh, now, one side that had done very well in the uh, the FA Cup um, in uh, earlier in the week was Cribs. And I think they, they earned themselves some um, very good publicity um, by scoring... Um, in uh, in very quick order, mm. um, and that was covered by many of the uh, of the of the sort of the social media outlets, including I think the, the competition, the FA Cup competition themselves. Yeah. But um, well, uh, they 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 topped it at home to to <laughs> Bridport by um, by scoring another hatful, Tom. Yeah, indeed, certainly. Uh, yeah, start the start the season well in front of goal, haven't they? Uh, a six-one win on Saturday. 
against Bridport, and it was Matt Spiller who was the star of the show for them. He uh, grabbed a hat trick uh, for the home side. Uh, it was also goals uh, again from Dan Webb. He scored twice. I think he also scored in that midweek victory you mentioned in in the cup. Uh, and Webb also providing an assist for Ross McCurlane, uh, who yeah has also started with two and two. So uh, a, a really good start for Cribs, and uh, yeah, promising promising uh, opening to their their season. And finally, in the Premier Division, Hallen. Of course, they went very well last season. One of the surprise packages. Um, they were up against Plymouth Parkway, who, uh, of course, again, very much fancied this season. It was a strong start by the Devon side. It was. Uh, it, took them a, it took them a while to get going. I think it was 42 minutes before before the deadlock was broken. That was Ryan Richards. Uh, and then, yeah, Richards uh, completely taken over the game, really. Uh, coming out in the second half and within five minutes of the restart, he'd completed a hat-trick. So our third um, uh, yeah, hat-trick hero in the Premier Division on, on Saturday. And uh, yeah, he well, led a led a partway charge, and they ended up four one winners. If you're thinking Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, Dewalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest, and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now, moving on to the first division, and we start at Almondsbury. Um, another healthy crowd there, and the visitors were Wincanton Town. Yeah, and for much of the afternoon, it looked like the visitors would uh, run out winners. Uh, Matt Garner scoring in the, uh, the seventh minute, putting them ahead. And, yeah, they held on for, for quite a lot of the encounter. Uh, but then it was Matt Davis who, uh, yeah, really turned the tide in, in Almondsbury's favour, uh, equalising 20 minutes from time. Uh, and then with less than 10 minutes on the clock, uh, he managed to, to slip the ball home. Uh, following a good run and cross from Ennis at gun on, on the left-hand side. So uh, a 2-1 win for Almondsbury. And, uh, yeah, uh, good comeback win for them. Now, Corsham Town are a side that many people will be keeping an eye on this season in the first division. They've made some very impressive um, signings in the pre-season. So it was interesting to see how they'd get on in um, in, uh, in their first league outing. That was away at Bishop's Lydiard, and the, uh, the Wiltshire side didn't disappoint. No, indeed. Um, they took advantage, yeah, uh, of a pretty early red card. Uh, definitely helped them in this one. But one of the... One of the uh, acquisitions uh, you sort of referenced, Gary Higdon, uh, made a really good start to his life. Uh, with Corsham, he opened the scoring off 16th minute in the 16th minute, uh, before Lydiard were then then reduced to 10 men. Uh, Higdon uh, snatched his second pretty soon after, uh, and then it was a really long-range strike from Will Stead, uh, capping a, a, a good good performance uh, from Corsham, and they ran out 3-0 winners away at Lydiard. Now, a side that did very well last season, of course, um, had things um, continued, quite, quite, quite probably would have won the first division, let alone mm. um, got promoted, was Carn Town. And it's always difficult when a side has such a, a good season to know whether or not they'll be able to, to go again. But Carn have made a very positive start um, to this season's campaign against a side in Ashton and Backwell that, of course, have got their own aspirations um, for promotion from the first division. Yeah, and it was another new signing, uh, playing a playing a good role for for his new side, uh, and that was uh, Josh Bright. Uh, joined Calm um, over the um, off period, uh, and he scored twice in their their victory. Um, Matty Jenkins had put them ahead 
uh, before Harry Walker uh, scored for Ashton uh, to, to to level the scores. Uh, but then uh, it was yeah a lobbed finish at the end of the first half um, from Bright put them two one up, uh, and then towards the end of the match uh, with the game well still uh, still relatively in the balance Ashton could have could have snatched a point uh, but Bright struck once again uh, in the closing stages to wrap up the win so a three one victory to open open their season uh, for Calm. And finally, our first division roundup concludes at Cheddar. The visitors were Lebec. Now Lebec started well last season, but um, but uh, fell away as uh, as the as the campaign went on. Cheddar, of course, historically have been one of the the stronger sides in the first division. But um, on this occasion, I mean Lebec. Well, this is a, this was a standout result, Tom. Yeah, I think probably was the uh, the the result of the day uh, in terms of sort of yeah, um, well. Maybe surprise, I don't think Cheddar let him five uh, on many occasions, and that was exactly what happened on Saturday. Lebec uh, shooting out of the blocks, uh, a big win. 5-1 uh, victory, as we say. Um, pretty pretty easy for them. There were two goals up inside the opening 10 minutes, and then added a third before uh, Danny Griffiths managed to, to get Cheddar uh, on the score sheet pretty pretty close to half-time. So it was 3-1 at the break and maybe maybe a chance for a Cheddar uh, fight back uh, but it was Lebec who pushed on um, 5-1 winners uh, and a couple of goals for them uh, from Rick Davis so a really good opening opening game for, for Lebec United Now we only managed to speak to the Lebec manager Aaron Wilson once um, last uh, last season so I thought it was with a result like that it was definitely worth getting him um, back on uh, for the first episode of this season's uh, podcast, and I started by asking him uh, whether he saw that result coming before the game. Uh, most definitely not. Most definitely not. I didn't see it coming. I was uh, uh, the main aim from the start of the game, really, from moving on from last season, was just to be harder to beat and harder to break down. Um, so that was our main aim. Um, and yeah, to be honest, it both yeah it caught everyone out by surprise. Really, not some of the boys because they were confident and they were. Uh, buzzing and ready to go but yeah just trying to stay grounded now for next obviously it's a pretty pretty big opening day result so having spent the time focusing on your solidity at the back um you you you, you proved to be incredibly pre-scoring up front yeah well i mean to be fair we scored a couple of goals quite late as the game was pretty open so it was it was tight i think they hit the they hit the bar uh 3-1 with sort of 15 minutes left so if yeah, if that goes in, it's 3-2 with 10, 15 minutes left. Could have been a different game, but that's football. And then, yeah, we made a couple of substitutions and managed to find a couple of goals at the end just on the breakaway. Like I said, the game was wide open sort of in the last 10 minutes. So, yeah, really happy. Does that result come off the back of a good pre-season for you? Um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, we've had a uh, we've had a change around with a few different things within the club, within the team itself. Um so it's sort of the standards we were expecting when we were looking to change um, sort of simple things like basic timekeeping and attitude and stuff like that on and off the pitch uh, training so it was the sort of basics that we were looking to change um, and we managed to do that and we got some sort of older club men in who weren't necessarily with us last season and feels a bit more yeah a bit more of a club now instead of sort of we had a lot of good individuals um so we just managed to make it a bit more of a team, a bit more togetherness. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. So that was the main aim from Saturday and for the remainder of the season, really. 
So do you feel that the, with the players that you've brought in in the close season, you've been able to strengthen from your side of last season? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, we've got a lot. Uh, we've got a bigger squad this season. Um, so yeah, I would say so. We've got more strength and depth now. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I would definitely say so. Yeah. Now I can remember from our last conversation, um, you'd got off to a good start to uh, to life in the uh, in the Western League last season, and I think things sort of tailed off for you after a after a while. So I mean, what lessons have you learned from last season's campaign? Um, I thought there was lessons learned. Yeah, for me personally, there was a lot of big lessons learned um, for the team, for the players, for the club as well, being at that level. So, so yeah, personally, it was one of my first seasons as a as a coach. I was the first team manager, so obviously I was with uh, Danny at Bradford, but this was my first season sort of on my own. So there was a lot to learn from it myself and things that I needed to do better. And that was my main focus first was sort of, Improving myself from the side and that way the team, you know, I'm a representative for my team. So it starts with me ultimately. So I looked at myself first and what I could be doing better and what then from that, what the team could be doing better and individuals and what we could be doing better as a collective unit as well. So, yeah, lots of lessons and we put that into practice this season. It started with the team talk on Saturday, which is... You know, it's, it's work rate. The same things I spoke to you about at the start of last season that are sometimes lacking um, in our team. So those things have been the main focus of of all of our pre-season, all of our training, sort of, yeah. Straight lines when you lose ball, in team shape, that kind of stuff, um, and how important that is, and working for one another, togetherness, all those things, and then the quality will come. So whereas last year we had a lot of quality, he didn't necessarily show enough of the ugly stuff, and sometimes that that is more well, more times than that's definitely more important. I mean, I, I remember you telling me um, about this, the, the history of your club, and I know that you've been very successful as you've been going up the division. So, I mean, were you surprised by the by the the quality of the football that you were coming up against, or perhaps the, the consistency of, of sides in the uh, in the in the Western League? Um, well, having been in, the, in and around the Western League for a long time, I wasn't necessarily surprised because to me it is pretty uh, straightforward the way a lot of teams play in that league. Um, so I knew that it was going to be a big challenge and it would have been more so physically in the organisation. I know one thing for, for the Western Leagues and as you go higher, the organisation gets better um, and those kind of things and the finer details. Um, so... Yeah, I knew it was going to be a big challenge. I knew it was a big step from the county league. Um, I was happy with the boy, how the boys took to it, to be honest, considering a lot of them have never played that level. Um, but we took a lot of lessons from it, but there was also still a lot of positives. And I think in that league, teams sort of, when they have Liebert coming to play at their ground, I don't know, it just seems to be a bit of a different atmosphere and a different feel than most other teams in the league. And... Uh, we now have to find a way to match that every single week. And that starts with, yeah, like I said earlier, work rate and yeah, straight lines, desire, that kind of stuff. I mean, what targets have you set for your for your side this season? The targets aren't necessarily for a positional finish or to... Um, I've been I'm pretty confident we'll be in the league. I'm more than confident, to be honest. Um, it's more about the the other side of things that has been lacking over the last season in particular and sort of within the club over the last sort of five years. It's kind of lost a bit of togetherness, a bit of spirit. 
and that's what that club's foundations were built on many years ago. So that, for me, is the main aim this season, is to have boys um, that are playing football every single week. They're enjoying their football. They're playing with a smile on their face. They're working hard, um, and they're feeling like they've gave their all. And ultimately, if they do that, then they'll have more fun at football. We're looking to do more uh, like team nights out and stuff like that. It's, it's more along those lines, Ian, to be honest, and it is about finishing sixth or seventh or ninth or 10th, whatever it might be. Um, if we end up somewhere near the top, then great. If we end up somewhere near the bottom, not so great, but I'm also quietly confident that we could finish yeah, in the top half of the table. And it's interesting to, to hear you talking about that, Aaron, because clearly you're, you know, you're very focused this season on, on building that, that club ethos. And, of course, one thing that, that, that the COVID crisis has done really is you know, in, 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 in taking the sort of the legs away from, from football at, at our level, it's given, you know, it, it's, it's made it very difficult for clubs um, to, to continue um, to, uh, to, to function. And, of course, that's even harder for clubs that perhaps are newer um, uh, to, the, to the Western League. I mean, how, how have you found um, uh, the, the, the last few months? Has it been frustrating for you that we've not been able to get back playing? Have you had concerns that, you know, that Lebec would be able to find its way through this crisis? Um, yeah, I mean, there was definite concerns, right, really, just to just not be unsure of when and what might, what's going to happen and how it's going to run. There's a lot of questions that everyone had. Um, from our perspective, our boys were, yeah, we were keen. We had um, we had a mission from pre-season on what we needed to do and what we needed to change. So it gave us time to fully implement that and work on that just within the coaching staff mainly and sorting out what exactly we want to do and which players we need to change in order to do that. So um, from a club's perspective, we were always fine. We always had full support of the board, as we always do. Um yeah, the, the ambition was made clear and we want to keep progressing. We want to keep trying to move forward. It's a, it's a team that's not been um, on a Saturday league level for a very long period of time. Um, but we're happy. We're plodding along. We're happy and we're just keep trying to slowly progress. And like I said, based on last year, our, our discipline, our attitude, our timekeeping, those kind of things, togetherness on and off the pitch, uh, that was lacking. And that's what the club's built off. So this season, yeah, like I said, that's the... That's been the main aim from months ago. That is our sole focus on what happens on the pitch. If we do those things right, I believe we have enough quality that things will then happen on the pitch. So, yeah, we've been focused on that from the very get-go. So, obviously, at the moment, all clubs need to be getting as many fans through the, the turnstiles as possible to, to boost their, their, finance, their finances. But how important is it for fans, particularly Bristol-based fans... Uh, what, <clears throat> if they haven't already watched Lebec, what's your message to them? That the Bristol football family and, and beyond, it would be fair to say, but what can we do, Aaron? How can we get more fans to come and watch your games? I think it's a very good question. I think uh, this, this level, um, bar certain teams, there's, uh, certain teams always seem to have a really good following. Um, there's a lot of choice in Bristol. Uh, there's a lot of clubs in Bristol compared to some of the teams that we play against. Um, like Cheddar, for example, there's teams around them, but there's not as many in such a small space. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, I enjoy the football, I enjoy watching it. It's always played at a, at a good spirit, a good tempo. And I think when teams come, we try and get the ball down and play and 
yeah, I always find there's always goals, it's always entertaining. So, I think that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you play at the Gloucester, the headquarters of the Gloucestershire Football Association, don't you? So if anybody who's listening to this hasn't been to that ground or hasn't had the chance to watch you play, I mean, I watched you play last season, albeit it was away at, um, at, at Devizes Town. Um, but if anybody hasn't had a chance to go and watch you, I'm sure it's even better, of course, for them to do that at your home because then they can put a few quid um, in, your, in, in your coffers. Yeah, GFA up at Almondsbury, and yeah, I mean, the more fans that we could get, the better. And we, especially at home, because we tend to try and pass the ball as much as we can, because the surface is, uh, enables us to do that. So, and what it does do when teams come and play there, teams that aren't necessarily used to having that kind of pitch, they also embrace it as well. So it does often mean for a pretty good um, passing game of football more often than not. So, yeah, it's always that extra little incentive to come and watch. Um, but yeah, GFA up at Almond's free and we can always guarantee some entertaining football and a, a good day out, that's for sure. And my thanks to Aaron for his time. So then, Tom, looking ahead to the, uh, the, the fixtures coming up, we've got a few matches um, in the midweek. Um, and uh, indeed, we've got a little bit of Friday night football. Um, Cheddar have got um, an opportunity to put things right after that opening day defeat. They entertain Wing Canton Town on Friday the 11th of September. So well, we do like a little bit of Friday night football. Hopefully they'll get a good crowd for that. But um, we are back in FA Cup action on Saturday the 12th of September. And which game has, uh, has caught your eye in this, uh, in this round of matches? Wow, I think the one that stands out, uh, two pretty big hitters from the from the Premier Division. Uh, Bridgewater taking on Bitten, so only one team uh, can progress. Obviously, Bitten showing last season what they can do in the cup, so I think they'll be uh, they'll be firming for for probably uh, yeah, hoping for another run in either the Vars or, or the cup. So uh, yeah, this is a big big chance for them. But yeah, tough tough opening round clash uh, away at Bridgewater. Very much so, and I'm. Um... I get the opportunity to talk about um, an old favourite of mine, of course, Melksham Town, uh, and they make the trip to Exmouth Town, and I'm sure Exmouth will give them a really stern test. Of course, Melksham of the of the Southern League, um, looking very good themselves. I expect them to go well this season, but I don't think um, uh, I think Exmouth will give them a really good game and uh, could easily win that one. So um, it'd be really interesting to see how how that one um, plays out. In fact, actually, it's it's interesting to note that we've got. Um, um, a, a few Western League sides coming up against higher level opposition. Of course, Shepton Mallet taking on Willand and, uh, and Tavistock against um, uh, Mangotsfield. And I wouldn't put it past Kieran Baggs' caution to triumph away at Winchester City either. But moving on to the Premier Division on Saturday, um, the game that stands out for me is um, Brislington. Of course, they won on opening day. They beat um, Bradford Town, who uh, uh, certainly went very well um, last uh, last season could have been really in the shake-up for promotion and the title if that season continued. They take on Hallen, um, so I think that will be a, a very competitive um, game. I know Ray Johnson will certainly want to be getting points on the board, on the board, but Brislington will be no pushovers. Uh, moving into the first division, Tom, what game there takes your eye? Yeah, I picked out one, uh, a couple of winners from Saturday afternoon. Uh, I've got Oldland. Oldland against Calm. Uh, obviously, we mentioned uh, Calm during during the roundup, three uh, one win over Ashton Batwell. But Oldland as well uh, started pretty well, two one win uh, home to Bristol Telethones. I think that's a, a bit of a, a well a late winner for them. So uh, yeah, two two opening day winners, hoping to well they might not, might have a 
fixture during the week. But um, yeah, hoping to get back-to-back Saturday wins. Uh, now, at this point, we might normally look at um, goal scorers and league tables and all that sort of thing. But of course, there isn't really um, much call for that after only one round of, uh, of league matches. So I thought, as this was a spe- as this was our opening episode of the uh, of the podcast, it would be nice to take a look back over certainly what was one of my highlights in lockdown we were all finding things to watch and keep ourselves occupied and sort of keep our our, our football fix going and um, the Plymouth Parkway documentary Round Our Way was something that very quickly caught my eye and I, I greatly enjoyed it I know um, many other people who've, who've seen it um, um, enjoyed it as well um, the uh, the producer of that documentary was Mike Parrish Mike is the media officer at, at Plymouth Parkway uh, very well known in the Devon area, of course, is also the, uh, the the host of the of the De- of the Devon football show, but perhaps not so well known across the the rest of the Western League um, family. And I thought that this was a great opportunity to put that right. So I spoke to Mike uh, about um, his uh, his documentary and about his role at um, at uh, at Plymouth Park. When we started off by talking about what got him involved in sports broadcasting. So I'm in my 30s now and I was a, a chef for many a year and um, decided to leave that behind and go back into um, go back into full-time education. Um, and I wanted to do something in and around media. And I'd done an access course and then I went on to do a journalism degree at Plymouth Marjon University. Uh, within the first week I was there, the lecturer, Mike Baker, um, said about the club Plymouth Parkway wanted me to go down. They were looking for someone to do a highlight package. And uh, it kind of evolved from there. I remember my first highlight package had no sound. Um, I missed a couple of the goals and (laughs) uh, was just generally, it wasn't very good, Uh, but I stuck with it. And then two, three months down the line, kind of got it together, uh, learned my trade. And I stayed with the club but throughout the three years of, of my education at, at Marjong. So did you have a relationship with Plymouth Parkway before you went back to university? No, no, I didn't. Um, I knew of them, um, but in all fairness, I didn't know a lot about them, and that's strange from being in the city that, that is Plymouth. Um, obviously, Argyle and everyone else. Uh, I knew other local clubs like Alberton, but, but Parkway never really came on the radar for me. So let's move on to the documentary then, Round Our Way. Um, what was the idea behind it? What was your ambition in, 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 when you came up with the, the, the plan to do it? What did, you, what did you think it was going to look like in the end? So my course, you have to do a, a dissertation at the end of it. It can be, it's a project. And being with Parkway for so long and, and meeting the characters, you've got a, an abundance of characters down there. You know, the manager, uh, some of the players, the chairman. And you just, I knew there was a story there from even the end of my second year. I knew, I knew what the story was. And when they lost to Chip in Sobbury Town on the final day of the season, I, I just went up there to film the game on, on the off chance that they might win the league and, and William would lose and I would have something to, you know, to put out for the club. But then it quickly became apparent that when they lost that, that match and Willand, uh, and congratulations to them for winning the league, there is the story. It's this progressive club, and they wanted to get up. They didn't get up, so the following season was going to be a huge season, and the story just laid itself out for me. 
So did you have a vision for um, how you were going to produce the uh, the documentary? Because one of the remarkable things, having watched it, is that it, it, it feels incredibly similar to the sorts of sporting sporting documentaries that, of course, we're, we you know we now see on things like Netflix and um, and Amazon Prime, but but not in a way that it's a copy. In a way that actually you have treated Plymouth Parkway as a club and introducing uh, uh, the viewers to the club in the same in uh, in a in a, in a very deliberate way, which 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 very quickly consumes the viewer in the content that you've produced. Yeah, yeah, I. I... I'm a student of documentary, if you will, for the past three or four years, and and you've got to understand how to tell a story. And 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 football is the universal story, I think, uh, for for sport. And you, you watching Netflix and the Sunderland's Till I Die, and now the Tottenham one, uh, they all you know these characters, but they have to introduce them. And for me, no one knew about the characters mm. apart from me. so I had to get my foot in in that way. And I think. I think what I did well was to get other people talking about, so other players talking about other players, the manager, and it's that kind of the Parkway bubble. They kind of tell the story themselves. So it's it's a case of asking the right questions in in the interview scenarios, um, uh, the filming, having the right footage. Obviously, filming the game is easy, but I kind of went a step further and you try and get closer to the people when filming them. So that that gives you a sense of their personality as well. And then it isn't just the football on the pitch. It's it's what goes on off the pitch that I was also... I, that's the story I wanted to tell. They were, People have this perception of Parkway, and I've, for some reason, that I think they're the team you love to hate because people think they're just throwing money at it and, and they want to get to a certain place and they'll do everything they can to get there. But I quickly realised that they're a club who who work within their means. The, the board are, are fantastic and they, they bring in sponsorship. And I was hearing these things about Parkway, but I knew they weren't true. And, and throughout the documentary, I really wanted to get that point across because uh, it's kind of nice to put, to put people right when they're not, it's not out of the ordinary for a club to, to want to progress. And I think, that story and it was the roller coaster of the whole documentary of of the progression of this Devon side. So, what's the reaction been for the uh, for the documentary? Yeah, it's it's, it's been it's been good. Um, I, I won't lie. Um, I think that within the first week it went out, my phone didn't stop. I had people from up and down the country uh, tweeting to the Plymouth Parkway account. Uh, the YouTube video had X amount of comments, all positive, and um, it, it was a nice feeling. I didn't know how it was going to go, Ian, because yeah. I've, I've said this to a lot of people, but it's it's all about one club, and it, it is hard for other people who support another club to watch and, and to maybe be like, I wish we could have that at our club. But the, the main reaction was, yeah, it was, it was a great story told really well. And um, I watched it again the other night. I haven't watched it since we put it out live on the first night. <laughs> I watched it again the other night. And to, to hear, to know what people have said about it, it made the, the watching of it again all that more enjoyable. So what's your favourite part of the documentary? I suppose it was 
the FA Vaz run um, because it kind of built momentum all the way through. And I think my favourite moments um, throughout the film, you know, I filmed in the rain, in sleet, in boiling hot sunshine. I got sunburn. I got, you know, as did everyone who watched and, and went on this journey. But travelling up to, to places like Hamworthy, uh, to grounds I've never been to, Woodbridge was a fantastic day out, uh, a great club, and to get that 1-0 win. And I think the Lee Ob's running down the touchline, uh, I've, I've managed to catch the last bit of it on camera. But those little things that happen and the celebrating in the changing rooms and and then winning at home to West Auckland and even losing away to Hebben, um, that was a special moment to get on camera because it was a, a piece of Parkway history. It's the furthest they've ever been. I have to say that um, my favourite parts of the documentary were anything that featured um, Shane Crack. <laughs> um, I think I think Shane um, deserves his own television programme. Yeah, Shane. He's a he's a very intelligent lad, Shane, and um, his interview was yeah. Everyone's talked about that interview. You can't get away from that interview. Uh, that a lot of people ask me what it was like, and but I, to be fair, Ian, I didn't really interviewing him you kind of focused on on the camera if it's in focus if the light the lighting's correct if everything else is all right and it's not till I got home and even then I, I listened back to the interview to make sure it was all right and he was I thought oh yeah it's a great interview you know he a bit of language in there but you move on and then when I was putting the edit together you quickly realize these these comments he makes about you know the famous the famous comment and other other ones <laughs> along the way and um yeah you just i didn't even when i put it out i didn't think it would get the reaction it did but it took on a life of itself no he 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 really is brilliant to watch in it i you know and i think for, you know obviously people who love western league football they love the footballers i mean you know that that's part of the you know the relationship we have with our clubs yeah. is about those players and uh, there are those clubs in every club but you know there was something about shane that i think was um you know yeah. you 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 just warmed to him basically the honesty and the you know the enthusiasm he was he was compelling viewing that's for sure i mean i have to say um mike i mean what about the stuff that didn't make the final edit i mean i would imagine is there a director's cut because you probably i don't, I, mean, I appreciate it took you a season to film the um um the documentary but you must have spent a fair amount of time sort of editing it all down as well yeah yeah i think it was my final edit um was i think it took me 3 months um, and yeah, there's lots of footage I, I had to leave on the cutting room floor and, um, you know, stuff that happened on the pitch and in the changing room. There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of stronger stuff I could have used, uh, in the changing room. Um, but it wouldn't have been the right footage to, to show for the telling of this story. So you've got to, you've got to put the images that you film um into into the narrative you're telling and you i think for any filmmaker they could have taken my footage and done a different um narrative and and it would have been a different uh it would have looked different on film but this was my version of what i filmed and how i put it together and and i'm pleased with the outcome and the, for the players you know shane uh, mikey ryan lane kyle moore uh, aaron bentley to, to give me the time to, to do the interviews and, and the way they talked, you know, it was, it was gold dust for someone mm. who's, 
who's training to be a journalist. And and then you've got Lee Hobbs, and you know Lee is. Uh, I've grown to really like him. Uh, you know, I class him as a good friend of mine, and um, he was the he was the figurehead of my of my uh, production, if you will, because you know he was he was the manager. He ha- he has the most screen time in the in the documentary, and I think he's compelling to watch. Mm. No, I, I I'd certainly agree with that, and I've always enjoyed my uh, my interviews with Lee because you know he is one of those managers who is refreshingly honest and uh, clearly ambitious, and doesn't you know is is not going to apologise for that fact. And um, I think perhaps one of the things that's um, going on what you said earlier about how some clubs view Plymouth Parkway, the story that you told about Lee and his ambition is one where you respect the man for what he's trying to achieve yeah. rather than perhaps, um, you know, it's easy to sort of demonize and, uh, a figure like that. But I think that was very much came through in what you did. Um, now I can't let you go without asking whether or not you've got another documentary in the pipeline. I do. Um, I do. I've been very fortunate. Um, obviously COVID has, has taken hold uh, of life as we know it. And, um, I've been very fortunate enough to be to be given a job by uh, the chairman Mark Russell. He uh, be working for him, and he's got a lot of companies and um, doing uh, trying to push the social media side and build those companies up. And obviously, one of the one of the ones he owns is Plymouth Parkway, and um, and I, I've I've got a really good relationship with Mark and the whole board down at down at Parkway, Gaz uh, Gaz Turner and Jez Baggett, who feature. In the documentary, mm. you know, the, the, the hours and hours they, I think they're down at the club every day trying to clean it up, build new things, maintain the pitch. You know, I only dipped in and out really as a filmmaker. They're there. I could go down now and they'll be there cutting the grass, you know, cleaning it up, building, building a new, trying to keep uh, Belifel Park progressing forward. So, yeah, another documentary in the making. Um, it won't be the same as last year. I'm going to try and change it. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be another uh, long and hopefully um, happy season. Yeah, well, hopefully it won't have the same outcome that no. the last um, the last documentary no. had. Um, but but on that subject, I mean, I appreciate you you wear you're wearing a number of hats here. But I mean, I think you'd be allowed to wear your passionate supporters one. How do you think Parkway are going to get on this season? Yeah, well, you can't help but not become a fan of the club and. And it's more the people who are behind the club, and and for me, uh, it's it's going to be an interesting season. Um, they haven't had the best preseason. Um, they played good teams, uh, but they haven't really clicked. Um, and then you look at the challengers or the rivals uh, to Parkway uh, Tavistock, fantastic football club, and Exmouth. That's with my Devon hat on. I'm not too sure about. Uh, the other teams in in this season's um, challenge, I've heard a lot of rumblings about Shepton Mallet, and they could um, they could be the the dark horse of the league, and and then you've got your Bridgewaters, uh, Westbury's. Um, I'm bound to miss people out here, but <laughs> you know the top six is a fierce top six, and it's it's such a competitive league, and I think it's after having filmed um, the league for the past two seasons, it's it is a solid league to get out of. I mean, Buckland came up all those years ago. They couldn't get out of it. They're still there. Willand, I think it took Russell G mm. four years to get out of it. Um, and and for Parkway, it's, it, it is a big season. It's a big season for all. 
Um, but they're not, they haven't got a God-given right to win the league. Um, they've got to earn it. And they started well against Halland, but it will be another big test tomorrow night um, in, in what is now a massive Devon derby against Exmouth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mike, thank you very much for your time and, and joining us on the podcast. Um, but just in case there's anybody listening to this who hasn't seen your documentary, where can they find it? Yeah, it's on um, the Plymouth Parkway YouTube. Just just uh, just type in Plymouth, uh, just type in Parkway Media uh, into YouTube. It will come up, and then it's in the playlist, episode one, two, and three. So it should take up about three and a half hours of, of your day. So, yeah, it, it was uh, it was enjoyable, and it's all there for you to watch. Well, certainly at this time when there may be people who are still self-isolating um, uh, because of the coronavirus lockdown, um, I'd certainly recommend you watch it. And I think um, I can't pay you a bigger compliment, Mike, than to say that um, for some people who may well believe that Parkway are the team that we love to hate, I think your documentary will prove that they're the team that we love to love. You know, that's a great testament to your ability as a, as a, as a filmmaker and a producer. So um, congratulations for what is a, a truly groundbreaking piece of media, um, certainly at the level of the Tool Station Western League. Excellent stuff, Tom. Thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. We've obviously been reviewing your excellent bulletin. Where can the, uh, where can the listeners find that? So that is on the uh, Western League uh, website, obviously revamped and, and updated and whatnot. Uh, but if it should be uh, on the when you get on the home page, uh, about halfway down, you can. Uh, it's obviously, uh, as I say, brand, brand new uh, website, and you can go to the the, the bulletin, uh, which uh, should take you to the latest edition. You also get uh, the podcast and then our our galleries as well, and all in the sort of the same place. Um, so yeah, that's that's where to find it every week. Excellent stuff, and I think over the coming weeks, um, as well as a, a revamped website. Um, the, uh, the 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 regular readers of the bulletin might might well see a few tweaks um, to the uh, to the format of that as well. But your excellent work will continue. None of the all of the facts and the figures will remain. We just might um, we might change the window dressing a little bit. Um, Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the uh, on the podcast. It really has been um, far too long, and uh, I, I feel that we're 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 almost back into the to the route the normal routine mm -hmm. i say the normal maybe this is the new normal routine mm -hmm. um but it is it's 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 great to have you back and uh, and i i look forward to catching up with you listeners on next week's tool station western league